Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Words to Live By series, which is taken from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Well, Matthew chapter 7, we're continuing uh, a study that has really, it's been a help to me. I, I hope it's been a help to you studying the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, this would be the longest portion, uh, real, real, excuse me, the longest message that we have that Jesus preached while he was here on the earth. And of course, Jesus said a number of words, but this would be the longest message that we have. Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7, all of them called the Sermon on the Mount. Of course, we've learned a number of things. We started with at the end of the message, understanding that we should build our lives upon his word, like we spoke about a few moments ago. And then we've been learning a number of things uh, through the study. Most recently, though, and we need to remember this, Jesus has been focusing in upon speaking about the heart, understanding that God is very much interested not in religion, but God is interested in relationship. And that is something that every Christian needs to remember because it is very easy to move from relationship to religion. Uh, Many of you, you can recall when you trusted Christ as Savior, and perhaps uh, after you trusted Christ as Savior, you began to kind of just go through the ritualism of of religion. You began to go to church because it was expected of you, or to read the Bible because someone was going to ask you about it, and you kind of got into the do's and don'ts of religion. And as Jesus began to speak, Matthew chapter number six, he says to him, hey, Don't be like the hypocrites who do things for people to see. Instead, be a follower of me that understands I am interested completely in your heart. And that's something that every Christian ought to realize and never uh, get over. We need to remember that God is very much interested in our heart, and he's interested in us having that growing relationship with him. And as a matter of fact, we need to understand that what he said last week, what we focused in on, Matthew chapter 6, verse number 33, he said, listen, I'm so interested in your heart that I want you to put me first in everything. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Hey, don't go through life anxious and frustrated and worried about what's going to happen. Instead, focus upon me. Focus upon my kingdom. And we learned a great lesson last week out of the end of Matthew chapter number six, not to lay our treasure in heaven. Excuse me, not to lay our treasure in earth. Do lay your treasure in heaven. Uh, Not to lay your treasures upon earth, meaning don't invest your whole life upon this earth. Don't spend your whole life for the next dollar. Oh, we should be stewards of what we have and we should be wise with where we invest our life. But we need to understand that this world is all gonna pass away. And what's done for Christ, that's the only thing that's going to last. And so I need to make sure I'm investing my life in things of eternity, things of eternal value. And that was really that whole message last week. Be careful. Be careful what you're seeking. Be careful how you're spending your life. Be careful who you're serving in your life because no man can serve two masters. Can't serve God and mammon because you'll love the one and hate the other, hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Can't serve God in the culture of this world. And so Jesus laid it out. Hey, I'm interested in your heart so much so that I wanna be first place in your heart and first place in your life. As we come this morning back to our passage and back to our study, I wonder if, if perhaps you know somebody or maybe you yourself are this way that, 
you just have a heart to help people. Or maybe you've known someone who has a heart to help people. Oh, no doubt we all uh, know somebody that maybe they've been uh, uh, around us and they just had a heart to help. But have you ever known someone who maybe they had a heart to help, but they probably weren't the best person to help with that situation? It's kind of like a child wanting to help dad or wanting to help mom. In our home, when the, the kids were younger, all three of our kids, uh, they go through phases, and like every family does, there's good phases and there's not so good phases, there's challenging phases. Uh, but all three of our kids from early on, they were always just wanting to be involved in everything, especially Lena. Lena's my daughter, and she's the only daughter in the family, and, and you know what? She's the one that real early on, Lena is, she is just like me in personality, in the fact that I just want to be involved. I want to be in, I want to be, I want to know what's going on. I want to be there. I want to be involved. I want to be plugged in. You know, if we're fixing something, I want to, I want to be right there in the work. I want to know what's happening. If we're going out to eat, I want to be right in the middle of everybody having fun and just having that mindset. Lena and I are very much similar. And maybe you were that way, but I remember being that way when I was a kid, there would be times that my dad would be doing something and I would just jump right in the middle of it. I'd have no clue what I was doing. And in the long run, I would actually make it more work for my dad than I was help. Now with kids, you know, we kind of have grace. Like, well, that's okay, they're kids, they're learning. But have you ever had an adult or a friend like that? That they're like, hey, I wanna help in this situation. And you're like, no, please, please don't help. Listen, we all, we all have had that. We all have that with people of times when maybe we've been that person giving help when we shouldn't have been or we've been receiving help when it shouldn't have been given. As we come to Matthew chapter number seven, what I find Jesus beginning to do is I find Jesus beginning to encourage his followers of how they could really be a help in someone's life. Remember with me, this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is speaking, and he's speaking to a particular group. The group that starts out there would be all the followers of Jesus. We would think immediately of the 12 apostles, but we need to know there were way more followers than just the 12 apostles. As a matter of fact, the Bible lists out many, many people that were followers of Jesus, but then it also lists out uh, the phrase multitudes of people. And so by this time in Jesus's ministry, we need to know there are multitudes of people. What could that be? Well, a multitude, to some it could be 100. To some it could be 500. Uh, many Bible scholars believe that this passage is probably spoken to up near maybe a thousand or even more people that are on this hillside and Jesus is speaking to them, his followers. Now we need to know something this morning that is, is kind of key for our passage. And that's this, that when somebody, when somebody finds the hope that Jesus brings, usually, more often than not, their first response is, I received hope, I want somebody else to know the hope. That's usually the first response. I have been helped by Jesus, 
Now I wanna go help other people with Jesus. For many of you, that was your very first response. Now, when you first came to know Christ, maybe as a, as a teenager, as a young adult, or as a kid, it was, man, Jesus has helped me. I, my sins are forgiven. I wanna go out and I wanna give that to somebody else. And so really, that is something from God that's put in the heart of every follower of Jesus. I just have a desire to help people. Now, the sad thing is that kind of dissipates with time. You know, pretty soon we can kind of get caught up with ourselves. We get caught up, caught up in our carnality. We get caught up in our flesh and we just kind of get caught up in leaning too much into us. And soon we lose that, uh, uh, that passion or that zeal, if you will, to help other people. Well, the group that Jesus is speaking to on this day, many of them are new followers. And I believe many of them had the heart to help people. As a matter of fact, if you go and you begin reading many of the, the, excuse me, many of the discussions that Jesus had with his apostles specifically, many of the times the apostles had a heart to help people, although they didn't know how to do it. They had a heart to invest in people, although they didn't know how to invest. And so I believe as we come to the passage before us today, what we're going to find is Jesus giving his followers and giving me and you a little bit of advice on how to help people. Because we can help people in the wrong way. We can offer help to the wrong people. We can offer help with the wrong spirit. And at any time we do that, we're gonna be like that child messing up mom and dad's project. We really aren't offering a lot of help. And no doubt you have times in your life when someone's offered you help and it was the wrong time, the wrong person doing it, the wrong spirit, the wrong situation, and you look back and you say, that didn't help me. Today, I wanna to encourage us not to be that person. Instead, to learn from the Lord, how can I, how can I really be a help? How can I make a lasting impact on the people around me? Because truth be told, I think, and I may be wrong and you can tell me afterwards, Truth be told, I think that most people who would be at a church on Sunday have a heart for others around them. I really think that. Now, now maybe it's just a small little bit of their heart, but I really think that most of us today would say, you know what, this week I'm gonna meet people, I'm gonna see people. I wanna be a help in their lives. So I wanna encourage you, if that's you today, then this message is gonna be a help to all of us. And so let's take our Bibles, let's go to Matthew 7 and stand with me if you would. Matthew chapter seven, and we're gonna begin reading in, <clears throat> in verse number one of Matthew seven. It's a famous portion of scripture, often misquoted, often misused, but we'll learn the truth about it today and what it means. Matthew chapter seven, verse number one, Jesus said these words, judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured unto you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite. First, cast out the beam out of thine eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn again and rend you. 
Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man uh, is there of you whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Verse 12. Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Again, this morning, as we look at this portion of scripture, no doubt you have heard a number of things that were just read. You've probably heard, judge not lest ye be judged. You've heard, hey, don't worry about the beam in my eye or the mote in my eye if you have a beam in your eye. You've probably heard, ask, seek, knock. You've probably heard, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. All of those truths are brought from this passage right here. Many of them misused, many of them misquoted. Because I believe today, as we look at Matthew chapter number seven, while there are a number of applications and a number of directions we could go, I believe this morning that Jesus is trying to help his followers learn how to really help people around them. I believe he's trying to help us today learn how to really make an investment in the lives of people around us, an investment that's gonna last And so let's pray, and then let's get into the message and see what God has for us this morning. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, why don't you just take a moment and just ask the Lord to to speak to you. Take a moment, just surrender. God, I'm listening to you today. I want to hear from you, and I'll make a decision based on how you speak to me. Dear Lord, we come before you this morning and we are so thankful for the freedom we have to gather and to worship you. And Lord, I pray this morning that as we go through the time in your word that you would help us, that you would encourage us, that you would strengthen our walk with you. But then, uh, Lord, that you would challenge us in really using our life to invest in people and make a difference. God, I know there are times I can offer help and it's the wrong place, the wrong time, the wrong situation. Lord, I don't want to go through life that way. I want to go through life being able to invest in others and having your wisdom on it. And so I pray that you'd help us right now as we look through these thoughts. I pray you'd speak to us, and Lord, we will praise you for what you do. And then, God, before we close the prayer, I just want to pray today that if there's someone that's here or someone maybe that is watching online that does not know that heaven is where they would spend eternity, I pray that today would be the day they put their faith and their trust completely in you. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your love. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. Before we get going, I really want to preface um, the message this morning with a thought. And that, that thought is simply this, that many believers, as we go through our Christian life, we begin to lose focus on eternal things like we learned about last week. And because of that, we can become um, focused solely upon ourselves. 
And many of us know that. We would probably call that person a selfish individual. And, and no doubt, all of us deal with that. All of us deal with uh, eyes only on ourselves. And so I want to preface the message by helping us understand there are times that none of us want to be a help to other people. There are times that we just don't have it within us to, to really help people. But I believe that generally speaking, followers of Jesus Christ, generally speaking, have a heart to really help and invest in people. And this week, the truth is that there's going to come across, there, there's going to come across your path somebody Somebody is going to be across your path and they are going to need help. And I'm not talking about just a handout. They're going to need a word of encouragement. They're going to need a, a, a smile and a, and a disposition that is just a blessing. They're going to need a kind word spoken. There's, it's going to be a coworker that's going through tragedy that's going to need somebody that they can lean on. It's, it's going to be a friend that's going to call and say, hey, I just need to talk to someone. And I don't know about you, but in those moments, and as a pastor, I get those moments a lot. No doubt, uh, probably more than most people. Uh, but in every Christian's life, there will be those moments. Maybe it's just once, or maybe it's 10 times this week. But regardless of how many times you have a moment, an opportunity to help somebody, I want to encourage us today to not waste the moment. Not waste the moment. Not look back and say, man, I blew being a help to that person. Man, I blew being an encouragement to my spouse. Man, I lost the opportunity to really invest, make a lasting impact on my kids today because of this spirit or because of... And so today I want to help us eliminate those excuses by learning how we can really help people. Because that's what I believe Jesus is getting across in this passage is how you and I can really help people, how we can make a lasting impact. I want us to notice, first of all today, that if we are going to make a lasting impact, if I am going to help people and invest my life into them, then I must first inspect my own life. I must first inspect my own life. Notice the verses, if you will, verse number one of the passage, Jesus said this, Judge not that you be not judged. This is often used from somebody who is saying, hey, don't judge me unless you want me to judge you. But of course, that is not what Jesus was getting at. That is not what Jesus is getting at. And he continues by explaining. Notice what he says. Verse number two. With what judgment you judge, ye shall be judged. With what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. Why beholdest thou the mote? That is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye. Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Leo, you want to grab that stuff real quick? Here we find Jesus Christ presenting a case. He's presenting a case. The case that he gives is about a beam and a moat. Now, I'm going to need some help this morning. And uh, 
Leo brought it up for me. Thanks, Leo. You can, you can be seated. Let's see. Carlos, thanks for volunteering. Way to go. I love when Carlos volunteers. Don't you love Carlos volunteering? Carlos is our children's pastor. He volunteered last week. He did a great job, didn't he? Uh, let's see. Who else do I need? I need somebody else. I need somebody else. Dennis, great. Thanks for volunteering, son. <clears throat> we call that being voluntold. We like it. Yeah. The Bible has something to say. Dennis, come on over here, would you? And uh, here's, here's what we read. When it uses the word beam, it literally means beam. Hold that. When the Bible uses the word moat, I want you to see that there. I think it's the next slide. The word moat in this passage, many people, well, it means splinter. It means this. It means a piece of straw, or we would use the phrase a twig. All right, a twig. So moat, it means twig. Uh, Beam, it means beam. Here's the situation that Jesus is setting up to explain verse number one. He says this. He says, if one of you notices that his brother has a moat or a a moat in his eye, there's one fella, he's he's got a twig. He's got a twig in his eye. And Carlos notices there's a twig. Wow, there's a twig in Dennis's eye. Say that. Wow, there's a twig in your eye. Man, listen, aren't they great actors? Man, call Broadway right now. Uh, here's the situation Jesus is getting up. We're bringing some humor into it, but really it's a, it's, a, it's a word picture that Jesus is trying to illustrate and help them understand. You're gonna go in through life and you're gonna notice, man, there's a way I could really be a help. I could be a help to Dennis because he's got a twig in his eye. But then the case is presented because some of us, we go through life and we call out the twigs in people's lives, not realizing (laughs) hold it. You got to reach further down. You're going to have to hold this whole thing without my help. Yeah. Put it on that side of your head. Put it on that side of your head that way. There we go. You got it here. I'll help you. Man, you told me you've been working out, man. Come on. You know what? Some of us, we go through life and we have this opinion of, I really want to help somebody. I want to help him. He's got a, he's got a twig in his eye. I want to help him. But Jesus is saying, how can you help other people when there's literally a beam in your eye? Here's my question for you. If, and I, I was going to do this years ago, I preached this passage and I literally taped a board to Robert's head. It took a while to get off, so I'm not doing that today. Uh, but here's, if, I, if, I, if we were to put these, if I were to uh, tape this to Dennis's head and we some way were to screw this one right into Carlos's head and, and attach it, uh, would you want Carlos helping you at anything? If literally a beam is attached to his head? No. No, you wouldn't want it at all. If you were Dennis and there's a a twig in your eye and Carlos had a beam attached to his, are you going to want Carlos to help you try to remove a twig from your eye? No, you're not going to do that. You're not going to want to help. Why? Take care of the beam that's in your eye before you take care of the twig that's in my eye. Here's the thought. Thanks, man. You can be seated. You did a great job, Carlos, holding that. You did a good job too. Way to go. Thank you. Here's the, here's the point that Jesus is trying to get across. It's why do you go through life? And as Christians, let's be honest, we can do this. We go through life never looking inward to inspect our own lives 
We go through life going, they've got a problem. They've got a problem. Man, they have an issue. Boy, I could sure help him. Boy, I could. And here's what Jesus is saying. Hey, you stop worrying about everybody else and inspect your own life. Because the truth is today that before we can be a help in anybody else's life, we've got to inspect our own lives. Here's what he's saying. Don't try to help the lives of others until you have first inspected in your own life. Really, it's a phrase that we use around our house often. Often we use this phrase. It's, it's really four simple words. It goes like this. You worry about you. As we say that often. Because at our house and and all the kids growing up, they would all go through phases. And even uh, you probably went through the phase as well, especially if you had siblings. Mom and dad would say, hey, I want you to clean your room. And you would say, well, what about? You know, mom and dad, they'd say, hey, Dennis, I want you to clean your room. And of course, both my sisters were out of the house by the time I was 10. So I didn't have much to blame on them uh, after 10. But before that, hey, Dennis, why don't you go clean your room? I'd say, well, what about Dina? What are you going to make Dina do? Hey, Dennis, here's this chore. I'd say, well, what about Dawn? What's her chore? It happens in our home. Hey, Lena, I want you to do this. She'll say, well, what about Dennis and Michael? What are they going to do? Hey, Michael, I want you to do this. Well, what about Dennis and Lena? What are they going to do? And no doubt you had it in your home. And you know what your mom and dad probably said? Hey, 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 I don't care what I'm telling them to do. I care what I just told you to do. What's the thought? You worry about you. Man, you worry about you. You worry about your own life. And this is a teaching that... Uh, really, I believe Jesus is giving this on this day because the contrary thought had been heavily influenced by the Pharisees. We've all learned this before, but the religious leaders of that day, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the lawyers, the group that made up the Sanhedrin, many of them, they were always, quote unquote, out to help people. But in reality, they were, they were not helping themselves. They were not uh, doing things in their life they should. Jesus actually called them out a number of places. And you look, this is just a side note today. I want you to find in places where Jesus called people out. Because do you know who Jesus always called out? The religious people. Jesus didn't stand on the roadside blasting the unsaved. You know why? Because they're unsafe. <laughs> Jesus was like, I expect sinners to act like sinners. But he stood on the seat, he would stand and blast the Pharisees saying, man, you are religious hypocrites. It's just a note for today. Can I tell you that don't expect lost people to act like saved people and don't get all upset when they do. I find out, you know, Christians that get all up in arms and say, oh, I can't believe the world is, man, the world is so bad. Look at all these wicked people. I want to be like, well, duh. The world is filled with sinners as were and are you and I. The only difference between us and some other people is that we've met Jesus. And so there's no right in my heart, to, there's no right in my life to condemn a sinner and say, how dare you? But Jesus often condemned the religious and said, how dare you? Notice what he said in this passage, Matthew 23. 23 through 28, Jesus says, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted or left out the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, faith. These ought ye have to have done. Hey, you should tithe, but not to leave the other undone. He said, you blind guides, you strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. 
in Matthew 7, we could say, you get frustrated at the twig, but you live with the beam. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for or because you make clean the outside of the cup or the platter, but within it's full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisees, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, uh, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisees, oh, cleanse first that which is within the cup and the platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward, talking about a tombstone, talking about a graveside, saying, man, it's beautiful. It's a whited sepulcher, but on the inside, it's filled with dead men's bones. How would you like that to be your comparison? Man, you look good on the outside, but on the inside, you're filled with dead men's bones. That's Jesus calling out these religious Pharisees. He says, even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Here's the mindset that Jesus is getting across. He's just simply saying, hey, I want to tell you today that before you can really uh, help anybody else, you need to inspect your own life, inspect your own heart. Now, I'm going to tell you this morning that I think you and I, we need to be careful because we can very easily accuse others of being a Pharisee. We can very easily accuse others, well, yeah, I know that guy. There's one fella, he tries to help me out, and he's got issues. And We can be the Pharisee. We need to be careful because there is a little Pharisee in us all. There's a little Pharisee in us all. And before we get too far, we need to know that in life, there are two extremes that need to be avoided when I'm doing introspection or inspecting my own life. First, the first deception or the first way we can do it wrong is called shallow examination. Shallow examination, it just is that examination that doesn't take long. <laughs> you know, it just doesn't take long. It's just kind of a brief like, uh, God, forgive me where I sinned. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, it's just kind of that brief, well, I know I'm a sinner. Everybody's a sinner. God, forgive me for my sin. Now I'm going to go after everybody else's sin. It doesn't take time to really look within. The second extreme is what we would call a perpetual autopsy, spiritually speaking. These are the people that live, live underneath the real grace that's given in life. These are the people that say, well, I would help people, but I just can never forgive myself. Ten years ago, I, nine years ago, I. These are the people that perpetually find something wrong with them, not understanding that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hey, God's grace is new every day. And even though we are sinners and even though that we still struggle with this flesh, man, there is grace that's new for you every day and forgiveness that is healthy and good in our life each and every day. And so if I'm gonna look inward and inspect my own life, I need to avoid these two extremes. Shallow examination. Don't just briefly go, okay, God, am I, is there any sin? No, okay, good, I'm good. Don't briefly just move past sin that's in your life. At the same time, understand that if Jesus has forgiven you, you can forgive yourself and move forward. You don't need to be bound. Does that make sense this morning? And so the truth is, if I'm going to really help people, I've got to inspect 
my own heart. Notice the next thought Jesus gives that if you and I are going to really help people, we need to help where it's wanted. Man, number one, inspect my own heart. Number two, help where it's wanted. As we continue reading, we come to verse number six, and it can be a rather confusing verse if it's viewed in and of itself. But within the context of what Jesus is speaking about, helping people, notice what he says. He says, give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. Very quickly, what Jesus is doing through this statement is simply saying, use wisdom in how you offer help and when help is offered. Just use wisdom in it. Again, consider the time that Jesus is speaking. The religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees, they wanted to help people and often they would just go around and they would help people, quote unquote, help people, thinking they were helping people. And really the Pharisees just messed a lot of people up. If you go, uh, you, I'll try to bring some context. Uh, sometime on your own time, go read John chapter number one, two, and three. Read about John, the, John the Baptist, when Jesus was just entering the scene. Read about the ministry of John in the book of, of, of John. Uh, because as he's on the scene, John is preaching and he is calling out the Pharisees like, hey, you guys have taught that baptism saves and work saves and you're trying to help people, but you're really just messing people up. You're offering wrong help. No doubt there's been times that you and I have given bad advice. We've offered wrong help. But there's also times in our life when we've offered maybe right help, but at the wrong time. Or maybe it's right help, but we offered it in the wrong way. Here's what Jesus is getting at in verse number six. He's saying, as you go around to help people, use wisdom in how you're helping people, who you're helping, and when you're helping them. That's all in verse number six. You see, because... Many of the people, many of the Pharisees, and no doubt many of the followers of Jesus, they had struggled with this, and you and I do as well. And so Christ is giving them instruction, saying, hey, you can really only help people who realize they need help. Jesus actually said it this way in Matthew chapter 9, verse 11 through 13. When the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? Jesus was having a feast with tax collectors and sinners, the outcast of society. And so the Pharisees, the religious leaders, <gasps> how is Jesus eating with them? But when Jesus heard it, notice what he said. He said unto them, they that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. When Jesus was here, Jesus wanted to help the Pharisees, but the Pharisees, they rejected the help that Jesus had to offer, didn't they? They did not listen. They did not want. They did not care, and they pushed it all away, and this is what Jesus was teaching. Hey, I'm not here to work on the Pharisee. You think you're perfect, and you think you don't need help. I am not here to help you, when in reality, Jesus was wanting to help them, right? I mean, you go and you look at Nicodemus getting saved in John chapter number three. Man, Jesus really helped him. But we have to understand there's going to come a time and there's going to be people in our lives that they're not going to want the help that's being offered. Here's what Jesus is saying. If it's, not, if it's not wanted, if it's not received, if it's not going to be followed, use wisdom in how you offer help. 
And just use wisdom in how you, how you offer help. Don't give it if it's not going to be if it's not going to be followed. The same is true in our life. I mean, that that's true in Christ's life. I think right now about a time that Hannah, she was driving. We had just moved here to Moses Lake, and she came across a homeless fellow, and she uh, rolled down the window and was giving him a, um, I think a McDonald's gift card or something at the time. We had purchased a bunch, and we were just giving them out to those in need. And, and she began to talk to this fella, and long story short, he basically said this to her. I choose to be homeless. I've had it, I've had it with the system, and I will live this way for the rest of my life. I just want handouts. That's basically what he, I just want handouts. And she was like, well, you know, maybe someone could help you get a job. No, 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 no. I don't want a job. I just want handouts. It's a great example of somebody who would resist the real help that's needed. Here's what Christ is saying. Spiritually, there's gonna come times when you're gonna cross paths with people and you need to use wisdom in who to help, how to help them, and when to help them. In the analogy, Jesus gives this thought uh, a swine has no regard for a pearl. Those of you that work in livestock, you know, if we were to take a pearl today and go out to a, a swine, a pig with a pearl necklace and lay it out in front, it's not going to be like, ooh, is that for me? Nor does a dog care for that which is holy. I've used this thought before. If you took a book and you put it in a dog's kennel, if you took a Bible and you put it in a dog's kennel, you and I would have some respect for the Bible, but a dog isn't going to be like, man, I need to read this. A dog is going to chew it. It has no respect for that which is holy. You can give good to the wrong recipients. That's what Christ is saying. So if we're going to help, we need to understand that uh, we need to offer help where it's needed. The proverb says it this way, speak not in the ears of a fool, for he would despise the wisdom of thy words. Notice very quickly this morning, a third thought. If we're going to really be a help, if we're going to know who to help and how to help them, we've got to request God's wisdom. When you come to verses 7 through 11, a lot of people could read this and think it's kind of out of place. Here Jesus is, judge not that you be not judged. Don't worry about the mote in somebody else's eye when you've got a beam in your own eye. Hey, don't give that which is holy to dogs and don't give pearls to swine. Uh, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For which of you which uh, have a son that would ask a a piece of bread, would you give him a stone? And if he asked for a a bird, would you give him a serpent? And uh, how can you, being evil, know to give good things? Don't you know that God in heaven is going to give you good things? And then, oh, by the way, if people do good unto you, do good to them. And uh, as you would want people to do to you, do unto them. If you kind of follow the thought, it's kind of like, Pastor, you're losing us. That's kind of what I, how I read that. It's like, all right, God, you kind of lost me. Jesus, you lost me here. But here's the thought. If you and I are gonna be a help in people's lives, number one, I've gotta inspect my own life. Number two, I've gotta help where it's offered. But if I'm gonna do those two things, number three, I need God's wisdom. Ask, and it shall be given you. What? Wisdom. Seek, and you shall find. Find what? Wisdom. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. The door for what? The door to the Lord's wisdom. For which of you? And then he goes through that analogy again. All of it is in the context of you want to help people? 
Ask me and I will lead you to the right people to help. I will direct you to the right people to invest in. Man, what a helpful thought this morning. When you look at it, we would probably think, well, this is kind of an interruption. This, is, this passage is an interruption in these verses. But remember, he is speaking to sinful followers like you and I. And he knows that they're going to make mistakes in helping people. And so because of this, he encourages them, hey, seek me when you're seeking to work in others, other people's lives. Seek God's wisdom and seek his direction. This is something that we see uh, um, portrayed for us in 1 Kings. Solomon has just become king, and, and uh, he, he said, I don't know how to go out. I don't know how to come in. I don't know how to judge God's people. God, I'm supposed to be here to help others. And God said, all right, Solomon, I'll give you whatever you ask for. And what did he ask for? Wisdom. God, give me wisdom. Do you know what you and I need if we're ever going to be a real help in people's lives? Wisdom. I need God's wisdom. This week, as you go through life, as you go through your days, as you go to work, as you deal with that family, man, Thanksgiving week is just a 10, Thanksgiving is just 10 days away, 11 days away. And no doubt, some of us are going to come across family members that it's not the easiest to be around. We're going to be around people on a day off and we don't want to be around people. And you know what we're going to need on those days? We're going to need God's wisdom. What do I need God's wisdom? I need God's wisdom in how to invest, how to help, how to speak kindly, how to use what God has given me to really be a blessing to other people. I need God's wisdom for this. And you know what God said through James in James chapter one, verse number five, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. You know what Jesus said in the word of God that we can come to him for wisdom anytime we need it. When you look at this passage, there's a number of things we can learn about prayer. I'm just gonna go through these quick just for thought. Pray with importunity. What's that mean? Continually come, ask, seek, knock. I can do that with wisdom. God, I need your wisdom. God, I need your wisdom. God, I need your wisdom. Pray boldly. Man, he says, any, but any one of us, we can come before that throne. Uh, pray in faith. You know what that's talking about? In the passage, hey, if you know how to give good things, your heavenly father's gonna give good things. Pray in faith, believing that God will supply the wisdom and direction in your life. And that forethought, pray, trusting that he knows best. That, you know what, how, how much more then shall your heavenly father give good things to you that ask, I can trust that God knows what's going on. But all of this encompassing, it's Jesus saying, you wanna be a help in someone else's life? Inspect your own life. Help where it's wanted, but all of that's gonna depend upon my wisdom. But then the forethought today as we wrap everything up, if I'm gonna help in people's lives, I need to be what I expect. I need to be what I expect. Notice verse 12. Therefore, all things whatsoever you do that men should do to you, do even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. You probably recognize the statement because it's from this verse that many have come up with what we would call the golden rule. What's the golden rule? The golden rule, treat others as you would want to be treated. Well, as Christ is teaching on this day, he brings up this point in the context of helping people. And the point is, whatever you want others to do to and in your life, then you do that to and in their life. 
But what is taught here is so much more than Jesus just saying, here's a good principle to live by. Notice the words, and I've never noticed this until studying for this message. The phrase, all things whatsoever. That phrase, all things whatsoever, literally means all manner of actions and moods. <laughs> all manner of actions and moods. You know what Jesus is saying? Don't just treat people the way you want to be treated. Speak to people the way you want to be spoken to. Have the attitude with people that you want them to have with you. Be forgiving with people the way you want them to be forgiving to you. Be gracious. Be merciful. Be patient. Be, Pastor, stop. Stop, because I can't do that with. Listen, that's my thinking. Man, have the attitude I want. Sometimes some people just get on my nerves. And I, I, may, I may be like, hi. But my attitude is like, ah! You know what the Lord's saying? Hey, if you're really gonna help people, you need to be what you expect them to be. All things, man, everything. What an incredible principle that would really help those early followers, and really it would help us. I mean, the fact is that this principle, it should be something that should govern our attitude and our actions towards others. It's gotta be practiced in every area of life. This is living in such a way that I refuse to think, say, or do something in or towards somebody else that I would not want them to think, say, or do toward or in my life. Going back to the concept of helping people where Christ is started with judging not lest ye be judged. If I'm judging others, I'll say it this way. If our judging of others is not governed by this principle, we become proud and critical and our spiritual character will, will degenerate. It means I go downhill because I begin to want to be a help in Shalane's life, but in my spirit, I'm not inspecting my own life. I'm not praying for God's wisdom. I'm not trying to be a help in the right circumstance, the right situation. I'm proud. I'm wanting to be a help really to help me, not to help Shalane. And here's what God's saying. If you're gonna go through life, have the attitude and the actions that you want in your own life. Jesus himself, he said it this way. And he, or he lived it this way, excuse me. Second Peter, 1 Peter 2, 23, it says, who, when he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. You know what Jesus did? Jesus treated people the way he wanted to be treated. He spoke to people the way he wanted to be spoken to. He had the attitude with people the way, the attitude that he wanted them to have with him. Peter would go on to write these words, quoting David, the psalmist, when he wrote this. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, 
blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto the prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. The thought is this, if we are going to help others, if we are going to make a lasting impact, then we must first be what we expect. I want you to know this could really affect a lot of our relationships, couldn't it? Man, this approach, it could change how we speak to people. If I speak to them the way I want to be spoken to, if I act the way I want them to act, if I help the way I want them to help, if I forgive the way I want to be forgiven, encourage as I want to be encouraged, give as I would give, show grace as I want grace shown, show joy as I want joy shown. I mean, how could this affect your relationship with your kids or your spouse or your family or your coworkers? I mean, think of the lasting impact that you and I could have if we would approach every encounter, every interaction. I think we could really be a help in people's lives. I think we could really make an impact in people's lives. And so this morning, we're challenged from the Lord. Hey, you want to be a help? Number one, inspect your own heart. Don't go around thinking you're better than everybody else. No, inspect your own heart. Humble your heart, recognizing you're just a sinner saved by grace and can only give that which God's given you. Number two, man, help where it's wanted. Don't just be throwing it out. Pray for God's wisdom. God, show me how to help people, where to help. Show me how to invest, where to invest. And that last thought is be what I expect. So I want to encourage you today with just three simple truths that we're closing out with. This week, you want to help people? Focus on your own heart, walking right with God, being right with people. Number two, seek him. God, direct me. And number three, be what I want to receive. I think if we applied these truths into our life this week, we'll, we'll believe in lasting impact in people. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.